All right. What's going on, man? How's your day going? Oh, I think, uh, oh, there we go. Good. My display just went into sleep mode, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, my day's been pretty good. It's, uh, it's been busy. I mean, we'll get into it, but I started a new job in a new province. And right now I'm on day, what is it? Day, uh, 14 of 21 straight so i'm two-thirds of the way through this shift and uh yeah i mean it's been good i i don't mind it i'm i'm loving it so it's yeah it's a lot of work and uh not a lot of play yeah no kidding man that's wicked and so like are you working like what are the hours like when you're working like that many days in a row uh it's right now we're doing 11s so 11 hours a day again 21 days in a row so no weekends no nothing like that it's just bang the jobs off as fast as you can it's getting it's getting so busy out here right now like i'm uh yeah we're we're trying to find electricians but it's it's stretching everybody kind of to the max so i mean i'm not complaining uh especially in the economy we live in right now so i'm i'm pretty happy but uh yeah i'm just taking it as it comes yeah is that 11 hours on the tools uh, what is it it's 10 hours on the tools and then we also get an hour travel time because the the site's fairly far away so yeah what's uh, yeah. what's fairly far away mean because you were already driving from when you lived in vancouver you were having stupid commutes already oh yeah no it's not it's not like that like i our my drive to site in the morning is 47 minutes and uh but yeah it's all it's different right like it's not you're not sitting in traffic you know stop and go into vancouver you're just driving out into the middle of the forest and then all of a sudden you come upon this little clearing and it's a new construction site for a bunch of wellheads. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I, I really like it. Like I kind of, you know, I mean, the being away from home part is different, but the work itself is really enjoyable. So, and you know, the crew is great. Like everything like that is awesome. So it, it makes it a lot easier. There's nothing worse than getting stuck out on a 21 day shift with a crew that you can't stand, but it's, it's awesome. The guys are great. And yeah, I've got no complaints, but, uh, how have you been doing? How, how's everything going there? Pretty solid, man. We've been pretty busy with, uh, renovations here. We, uh, I I've got my longest commute right now that I've had since I've been back in construction, which is pretty much the exact same as yours right now. Uh, we yep. got a job out in Langley that we've been doing. So, uh, it's kind of like a nice little reversal for Sean because he's got the opposite commute that I used to have. Lucky guy, hey! Yeah, Finally, can, he's like five minutes from the site. Like it's it's quicker for him to go home and grab stuff than it is to grab to go to Home Depot. Yeah, that's good. I'm I'm happy for him. I know how much he drove. Me and him would always bitch about it. So, oh man, <laughs> it's good it's for nuts. him. It's nuts. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny because um, my dad was talking to him on the phone today, and he's I can tell that my dad's bitching about the drive because I could just see the look on Sean's face, yeah. and uh, he's like, "Man, barking up the wrong tree," you know. Like it's kind of it's so funny, man. It's so funny because I also I would experience that with my dad. Like, uh, it's not like he was you know right in downtown core either, but he he saved a good forty five minutes on the drive than what I did before. And he would complain about traffic and I would just look at him and shake my head. Like, don't you dare, like, don't you dare talk to me. Um, but yeah, it's been, I, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it out here. It's a little bit, it's a little bit slower pace, honestly, like work is cranked up. I would say like, there's a lot of deadlines. There's a lot of uh, pressure built into it because, you know, I mean, these are big projects with big budgets and things can snowball and get 
kind of over budget very, very quickly if one mistake is made. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's good pressure. It's um it's been really fun, but like even I don't know, like our, our new house. Apparently my camera just turned off, but hopefully it's all good. It I can still on. I can still hear you. You're you're just frozen and everyone on my end during the recording will laugh at your face here, but Oh, we, we that's like fine. your voice, man. <laughs> that's fine. I, I'm in, uh, I'm actually in an Airbnb rental right now. So I don't think my connection is as secure as it is in my house. So, or as strong. Um, but yeah, like even just moving out here, like we've really tried to kind of, uh, plant roots and, and just kind of, kind of grow into the, the city that we've moved into, into the neighborhood that we're in, because I don't know, we don't know anybody. It's just me, my wife and my four boys. We moved out here with no family, no friends, no nothing. So, we're trying to get planted and trying to trying to get to know everybody, but we're loving it. It's just, it's a different pace. People are seem to be a little bit more friendly, a little bit more open out here and uh, we're thankful for it. Yeah. I was listening to your uh, last few episodes. I was catching up on them in the last couple of days. And I, I heard you saying, I think it was with Mike, you were, were you talking with him and you're like, it's kind of hard to get like worked up and like pissed off. Like I'm not like, and uh just talking to you man like you seem a lot lighter you seem a lot like like less stress man i'm happy for you that's so sick oh thank you it's it sorry i'm trying to restart my video while you were talking it's saying that it's not it's not working but um no thanks yeah it's funny because i don't know how how do you approach podcasting like for me it's kind of got to be that passion which is almost like a, a combination of love and anger you know what I mean? Like where you're, you're fired up to do something, right? It's not just, I don't know. I, I can't come into a podcast all, all like uh, kumbaya. <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but what do you, have you ever, ever experienced that or a different mindset coming into this? Dude, I, um, I do actually, I was just talking to my roommate about this last night. I, uh, cause I'm like, kind of like almost, uh, and this is kind of like one of my coping mechanisms that I dealt with anxiety with, but like I've developed, like I'm kind of like a social chameleon, you know? Yeah. And so like I'll feed off whoever I'm talking to. So if they have high energy, I'll typically have high energy. But if I'm doing like a solo episode, it's, it's really different. Like sometimes it's a lot more somber cause it's more like reflective, like on my own life. And, uh, kind of like, I, I guess sometimes I can kind of come off condescending cause I pretty much just bitch at myself. But I know what you mean, man. Like, I definitely have to be worked up over something, either upset, like sadness or anger or annoyance in my life, like something that's just irritating. Like, there's got to be something on my mind for me to want to just kind of bitch by myself. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) oh, I know what you mean, 100%. And it's the same. Yeah, I have the exact same feeling. It's funny because. I mean, I think that's what we're trying to do, right? Is trying to trying to figure out issues and then trying to, or I guess, isolate issues and trying to figure out solutions, right? So it's, uh, you've got to have an issue in order to find a solution for it. Like it's, you know, I don't think, I don't think any of us are, you know, where we want to be. And if you are, congratulations, but maybe set some new loftier goals because I don't know, I, I think it's good to be hungry to keep chasing stuff. And I was even talking to, somebody else that may have been on that mic podcast, but I was talking about how some of the, like the apprentices out here, it, 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 this isn't a difference just to BC, but like you just in general with apprentices, like when you get one who's very content, doesn't really care about the job, doesn't care to learn anything, doesn't care to kind of reach higher. It can be really frustrating. 
Whereas you want somebody who's hungry, who's trying to, you know, build something for themselves, who's wanting to make this a career path. It just, it changes things so drastically. And I think I, I try to stay hungry, try to stay searching after something. And I think that's, yeah, if I don't have that, then I, I, I'll, even for like an episode, I'll have to manufacture it, like go find something that drives me crazy and gets me into that mindset. And then I can go talk about it, but I've got to, it, it's harder now because it, things are just different, right? Like the way that we've had the last two years, it's just, it's a different mindset out here and it's been, uh, it's refreshing, but it definitely makes it tough to get uh, kind of the anger component of that, that passion equation done. Yeah. And that's not even, um, just like kind of going back to what you're saying about like wanting to work with apprentices that like are hungry towards growth. Like that's not even just like people that you work with. Like for me, that's like, just like the people I surround myself with the people that I'm like interested in talking to. Like I have a lot of friends that I've had for years and years and years. And uh, like, you know, like some of the conversations you have, well, at least I have, where it's just like kind of surface level, like, oh, hey, how's it going? What's new? Like, okay, cool. That's nice. Hey, remember the time we did this? Yeah, I do. Okay, nice. Like, it's just like super like kind of just like, man, is there like anything going on in your future? Like, are you even, are you, you know, are you struggling towards something right now? Like, is anything going on in your life other than just waking up and going to work? Like, it's just not even just like working with people, like just conversating or conversing with people like that is like so difficult sometimes i totally agree it's funny because i was i was talking about this while i was talking to my wife <clears throat> about how i was going to be talking to you tonight and i i was just mentioning like in passing i was like yeah i, I miss talking to mark on a more like frequent basis because it wasn't it's not necessarily on here even though we've done plenty of these but just at the job site and talking about different stuff because i'm the same way like that's who i like to surround myself with or people who even if they don't have the exact same kind of mindset or path that I want to go on, but they're driven in their own area. It's just that drive that I like to surround myself with because I don't know, it's, it's so easy to just get complacent and kind of spin your wheels and, you know, not, not get all that motivated. And it, it helps you a lot if you're surrounded by people who are motivated, even if it's towards things that you aren't motivated to just that, that sense of motivation can often help you kind of get up and drive towards it. And I think it's something, I think it's something that uh, kind of a lot of people need nowadays. Right. And it's, it's just that, that sense of purpose and drive and just something get after it. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I know we've talked about this a lot. I know you talk about it a lot. I do too, but it, it just seems to be something that isn't as prevalent nowadays. So maybe it needs to be talked about more. Yeah. I, uh, the, one of the homeowners that we're working for, he's a retired uh, psychiatrist. And when he gave up and when he retired and like was giving up his practice, he had trouble finding someone that wanted to take on all his clients. And he's saying like, man, the younger generation, like I literally had enough clients to supply someone like a 60 hour work week. And like, <laughs> and he couldn't give the business to anybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like he like literally couldn't find someone to want to fill the shoes. Not even yeah. someone like capable, but like someone that wanted to work that much. And he's like astounded. He's like, you know, they would always have, and you kind of touched on this on your uh, recent episode when you're saying like, you know, having the right to things you were talking about like affordable housing, but 
he was like, you know, certain people like would say, oh, I don't want to do hospital work or I don't want to do this work. I don't want to do that. Like they would always be like, oh, it's too far of a commute or like there was always all these like weird stipulations why they wouldn't want to take on his practice. And he's like, what is going on? Like I had to grind to start my doc, like my practice, you know, like he's just like astounded. He's like, man, what's going on with your generation? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to have a field day in like 20 years, man. You know what? I love your mindset because that's the exact same way that I view it. It's funny. Yeah. Because I, I do, I do get that sense too. Um, I also think that kind of the older generation, they went through a lot of these hardships and I mean, okay. So right now I have a incredibly obsessive personality. I think we were talking about this the other day, just through text. And I've been kind of obsessing over what's been going on with in like the financial sphere in Canada and kind of where we're headed on, you know, I mean, everybody, whether you're in Canada, US or whatever, any developed nation, which is probably going to allow you to listen to this podcast. So probably all of you, um, <laughs> you're going to, you know, we're, we're headed kind of for what looks like pretty difficult times. Right. And I think that those cycles repeat themselves and historically they do repeat themselves. And so I think that that older generation, they had to work through things like the housing crash in the eighties. And, you know, when interest rates or mortgage rates were up to 20%, right? Like they had to work through these challenges that really required you to kind of push on through it, to work harder, to, to become as self-sufficient as possible because it literally meant the difference between you eating for a day or not. Right. Whereas nowadays, I mean, we've, I don't want to say we had have it easy because I think that's oversimplifying it. I know not everybody has, you know, has been dealt a great hand in life, but I mean, we live in the best time possible in human history, right? Like as far as just what we have access to, like what, what standard of living we're used to, there's, there's no better time to be alive than right now. But I do think that we're going to be approaching something it's going to be, you know, it's going to test that. It's going to be pretty difficult. It's going to be, you know, a pretty, uh, a hard few years for people. And it's one of the reasons why right now, even like, you know, when we came out to Alberta, I didn't have the intent of going out on shift work and working away from the family. Like I wanted to stick home more often. It's just, it's just this, this opportunity presented itself and we can't find enough electricians. And, you know, talking about people who are hungry, we already got, you know, I think it was 11% raises, 12% raises within the first three weeks of me starting here. And we're about to get another probably 15% raise here in the next couple of weeks to a month, because there's so much competition for workers that they're having to, everybody's raising their rates at the same time, they're competing with each other to try to try to hire people, right? That's capitalism at work for the worker. So, you know, there's competition in all areas of the market. And a lot of the times it can work for you. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just trying to work as much as I can now. Cause I, I don't know what the next couple of years are going to look like. And I got four kids, so, you know, I've got a pretty big nut to cover. It's not just me. I could, I could live in a garbage or a, a cardboard box if I had to, but I'm not subjecting my two-year-old to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, oh man, it's so true, dude, because I, um, I recently, my, one of my good friends, like literally, like he's like a brother to me he's starting his own business. He literally just like quit his job on the spot like a couple of days ago. He's like, man, I'm, I'm just starting my own company. Like I'm, I'm done. He works in like auto detailing. And, um, 
we sat down with my dad. We were literally like me and like, I wasn't really helping too, too much, but like my dad was helping him kind of make like a business plan and try and think about a bunch of different things that he hadn't thought about yet, because obviously he's got more entrepreneurial experience than both of us combined. Right. But there was a, a point where my, like uh, my buddy says to my dad, he's like, were you like, super fucking scared when you started this shit because like i'm terrified and my dad's like of course like i was scared every year like it was like what because he's like i got laid off from my job but i still had bills to pay so we had to start working and that's literally like how they started the company it was him and my uncle and it's like yeah he, he's like dude i was scared every year like that pressure never goes away no. And I, yeah, sorry. Keep going. Well, I was just going to say, like, I kind of think that, you know, not a lot of us, especially like if you grew up, if you were privileged enough to grow up in like the Metro Vancouver area or an area like this, like, it's like, I feel like during our childhood, a lot of us didn't really have to worry, but like, yeah, sure. Like a lot of people, you know, or maybe you dealt with like financial struggles growing up, but like, I feel like, like none of us really had to worry about like food on the table for the most part or like being homeless, you know, and just that kind of pressure, I feel like never really slapped any of us in the face before. And I think that you're right. I think in the next couple of years, it's going to be tough economically for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, like that saying, you know, like, um, strong men create strong times, strong times, create weak men, weak men, create weak times and weak times create strong men. Right. And, you know, I mean, think about a lot of the people even who you look up to right whether it be they're financially successful or they're you know philosophically successful like they just the people that have kind of a unique outlook on life or a unique path to success it usually has some serious struggle involved in it right like whether that's through the middle of that process or at the beginning and it's kind of what ignites that hunger in them to reach for more and i think you know, when like, not everybody's going to be in the same boat, but when you're, when you've had a relatively easy upbringing, you've never, you've never really wanted for anything. You've always had all your needs fulfilled and you're able to kind of get a few things that you want. Like it's, it's tough to get hungry, I think for a lot of people. And, you know, that's bread kind of where we're at right now. And I think a lot of people even now are pretty complacent and pretty unaware as to kind of how things could be going or where they seem to be going. And I, I just think that it's going to be a rude wake up call to a lot of people at once. And so that's, again, that's why, you know, I talked about it with my wife too, like we're not going to shy away from work at this stage because who knows what the next couple of years are going to bring. And we want to get ourselves as, as capable and as ready for whatever's going to come. Um, and that means, you know, that means working hard now. It's like, you know, animals that'll work hard in the spring, summer, and fall, and they, they have to hoard for the winter because there's nothing out there, right? So people get better kind of get their house in order, get get things ready. And that's not, I'm not trying to be like a, a doomsayer or anything scary like that because who knows, mm -hmm. like, things things could get better. But, but it's just preparing for that uncertainty. I think a lot of people should be focusing on it a little bit more than they are and not complaining about the fact that they have to go back into a physical office rather than sit at home in their pajamas and, you know, in their basement. It's, 
it's just crazy all that stuff so yeah i, I think it's going to be interesting the next few years and uh yeah we'll see yeah I agree, man. There, there is the odd person though that did kind of grow up with that, uh, that maybe that scare or it was uh, maybe taught to them. But I feel like those are like kind of the most interesting people to to talk to, you know, for the most part. Like when when we're talking about these people that really haven't seen struggle, like those are the people where you're talking about earlier, where it's like those are the people that don't have that kind of hunger or uh, they've never been hungry. They don't know what that feels like. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, the most interesting people to talk to, I find, is like the underdog story, man. Like, and that's why I like talking to people that are like kind of grinding towards something because it's like I want to hear about the struggle. Like, I want to hear that I'm not the only one that's working like a dog, or seemingly so. Like, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's cool to hear about those underdog stories, at least for me. Oh, I I share the exact same outlook, and yeah it's just it's funny because when you talk to the people who have experienced real hardship and real struggle you know little things don't ever seem to get them down which i think is you know it's inspiring right that that kind of that mindset is just amazing like so many things will just roll off their back like it's nothing and then you know like i was alluding to because now there's you know news stories out there about people getting up in arms that they're being called back into their physical office because you know their incomes haven't really really been impacted over the last two years and now Oh, the audacity of me actually having to go into my job in the position that I was hired to be in. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's funny that that's viewed as such th this massive obstacle in life to be overcome. And it's like, dude, you're just going back to how things were two years ago. Like, this is just normal, relax. Like, it's just, that's why, you know, when I see stuff like that, like that, that right there, if you're, if you're in a position where you're complaining about having to go back into your job, like, like how your entire life had been before this, um, that is a sign of true privilege. And oh. I hate, I hate using that word, but that is, that's a sign of true privilege. I, I was literally, as you were saying all of this, I was thinking like, how privileged do you have to be <laughs> to think, oh, I have to go to work? Like, what yeah. are you talking about? I know. And then, you know, guys like you and me or, you know, the guys I work with, it's like, oh yeah. Like we, we've been having to physically go into work this whole time. And, you know, it's been all these different obstacles and roadblocks that you have to leap over and duck under just to, just to be able to physically get yourself to work. And now you guys are complaining about just being asked to come back into the office to sit there instead of sit in your underwear in your basement. Like it, I don't know, to me, it's, it's laughable. Yeah, like I know, especially like because you were working with a family business as well. Like, you know what it's like, like if you don't have a job, you're like, man, I want work. Like, I'll do anything for work. I'll work for a little bit less if I have to. Like, I'll do anything. Like, if there's no work, I'm feeling choked, you know? So it's just like, man, I uh, that seems so crazy to me. They're like, oh, and now I have to drive to work. You're like, yeah, that's literally the most privileged you could be like. <laughs> in terms of in terms of human existence, if you were to explain to any generation before this, oh man, I can't believe I have to drive to work in an air conditioned office. You'd get just your smile smacked off your face, man. Like what in the world? Oh yeah, like yeah, like going from your commute being five steps to you know fifteen minutes or something. Like it's crazy, but it's funny that you you mentioned that about. Uh, about work because 
I wonder where some of that has gone because I'm the same way. Like I, I cannot be a liability on anybody. Like I, I don't know if that was bred into me, drilled into me. I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but I don't like the idea of being a liability on anybody ever. It's the same thing. You know, if I owe somebody money, I have to pay them back right away as soon as I can. Right. I'm not going to drag that out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to extend that and then have them, you know, searching me out to, to pay them back. I just can't do that. And, you know, like you said, like, even if, you know, it means going to work somewhere for a couple bucks less an hour, it's like, yeah, I'll do that. I'm, you know, I have to work for something. I have to, it's some sense of self pride and, you know, self-sufficiency that I, I don't know where it's gone nowadays. <laughs> Honestly, I have, I have no idea, but I don't know how a system is sustainable. You know, if you, if you don't think that you're going to contribute in order to, you know, receive it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I think you said it best, man. We, you had a, the episode the other day, I, I just caught up on all of them, man. So they're all fresh in my mind, but you said it best. You said there's no free lunch, man. That's uh, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I can't remember where I heard it from. It's, it's, it's a pretty good cliche, but it's, I think it's true too. Like, um, I don't know, we've got, we've gotten pretty accustomed to free lunches and to, you know, uh, handouts and everything else. And I think, but I think that's going the way of the dodo bird quick. And we're already seeing kind of the fallout of what that monetary policy was. And the fact that we've got what roughly 8% inflation is what they're, they're reporting on the CPI data, which eight. Yeah. Which seems like, I think it was 7.8 last time. And it, but it seems like a, an undershoot if anybody's you know, in the real estate market looking for a house, or if you're in the rental market trying to find rent, like it's, it's gone up way more than that. The uh, shelter component, I don't know what exactly they've got it rated at, but it's, it's crazy, right? And a lot of this is uh, directly due to, you know, what's happened over the last couple of years. And I think we're going to be suffering the hardships from it for a while. Yeah, I'm going to say, like, if I were to consider my own personal expenses, which I've been looking at quite uh you know, accurately recently, it's like, uh, the only things that have stayed the same are like contractual billings, you know, like things <laughs> yeah. that I'm stuck, that I'm stuck within a contract for, you know, like rent or my phone bill, my, my Wi-Fi, et cetera. But anything that could have changed has definitely gone up by much more than 8% when I'm considering like groceries, gas, just literally anything, you know, oh, and it's yeah. like, man, 8%. Where is that number from? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, they, they look yeah, at it. Pretty... up by 8% in like four minutes this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's all, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I think that, but I think this is like we were kind of talking about earlier when cycles are repeating themselves. And I think why that older generation has a different mentality to work and to, you know, self-sufficiency is because they've gone through stuff like this, like nearly exactly like this, right? We just didn't have the same debt loading that we have now. But um, I think we're going to see a resurgence of that, you know, probably in this next generation, because, you know, they're going to, my kids, maybe they'll see, you know, what we had to do to get by or, you know, what, what happened. And I have a feeling that 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 mentality is going to kind of come back in, in a big way, because, Right now we're we're pretty soft, <laughs> I think as a as a society and as a kind of collective mindset. And I think that 
I think that, you know, we're going to kind of be be forced by the situation we're in to kind of harden up a little bit and become a little bit more self-sufficient. And uh, quite frankly, I, you know, I, I'd like to see that, that mentality make a comeback. And I think it's going to kind of be, it's going to come one way or another. You can either fight it and suffer through it, or you can accept it and, you know, start doing whatever you can cut back where you can, uh, you know, maybe you don't have to go out and buy that brand new $800 TV. Maybe your, your 40 inch at home will, will suffice, but yeah, it's just stuff like that. I think, I think the mentality is going to have to have to change around. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I thought you were going to keep going, but, um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's crazy when I talk to, um, anyone even my even myself my own personal experience like any debt that i've carried for the most part in my life and anybody that i know of like half of that debt is like consumer debt like more than half of it is just like stupid consumer debt of buying things like tvs and such and it's like half my buddies are just spending willy-nilly on you know trucks or man it's crazy and i'm like man literally any of us could have put a down payment if we were way smarter on a home or anything like that. And it's, uh, it's nuts. The kind of culture that we have that, that way. It's, it's insane. Yeah. It's so funny to say that though. Like that's, that's borderline uh, a microaggression nowadays to, to say that if you had changed your own uh, or decisions, then you could have, could have done something else rather than, you know, you're the victim of, of something, but it, it's true. It's, it's so interesting. I mean, I look back, back on certain decisions that I didn't make and, or, you know, ones that I did made and I'm like, just kicking myself. Right. Because you just view things. It's like, ah, I could have done, done this differently. And it would have been, you know, in a much better position. Like, uh, but you know, I mean, I guess that's part of living, you live and learn, but it's, um, yeah, I, I think the, the, the ability to look back on it as a mistake that you made rather than, you know, you were the victim of something. I think, uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot before too, but I think there's just so much power and it allows you to, actually learn from it and kind of change your thinking moving forward. And, you know, like you said, the amount of consumer debt too, I don't know yeah, how we got down this vein, but uh, it's just crazy. Right. And it, it is kind of that mindset of, ah, you know, I'll just load up on debt and pay it off later. Well, you know, now we're, we're literally seeing that debt servicing, the, the cost increase before our very eyes every, every month or so. So uh, again, I think we're going to be going to be forced to change our mindset a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, man. It's pretty crazy. Um, you know, I, I saw that you, uh, reposted, I posted that thing on my story about like, kind of, if anyone had any topics or anything like that. And I had a couple people message back, but, uh, one of the people, I don't know if, well, I guess we can just mention his name. Yeah. But Mike replied back, the guy you just had. And, oh, yeah. um, and he replied back, he was saying like, it would be a cool topic to talk about kind of like you know, something that, and I feel like you can, you can vibe with this as well, but he, he was basically saying like kind of the importance of building, like kind of a community, like a brotherhood, like we were talking in the very beginning, like kind of, um, I guess like I would say in my words, I'd say like a support group or just kind of like a, a network of kind of people like we were kind of describing, you know, and, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Mike for, for giving us that kind of like a uh, topic because we ended up inadvertently talking about it, but um, it's just so, it's so cool to uh, just kind of hear about these uh, perspectives kind of grow 
through people that, you know, cause you're a little bit older than I am. And I think he's a little bit older than you are. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool to see like the mindset of, uh, you know, men that I think are similarly minded. And, uh, as they kind of go through those gender, these, uh, these decades of their lives, it's kind of cool to see these mindsets evolve. It's pretty sick. Oh yeah, I agree. And I know what, exactly what he's talking about. He's, he's working on a real cool project, but, um, I'm excited for it, but it's, I think it's, I think it's totally true. I mean, you know, um, it's important to have people that you can lean on, you know, like one thing that when I was growing up that I, I can't remember where I heard it, but it really stuck with me. It's that I want to be dependable, but I don't necessarily want to be depended on all the time. Right. And what I meant by that, you know, now when I look back on it, it's probably not accurately said, because I do like, you know, I enjoy being depended on by my family, right? Like I enjoy being a dependable person to them who they can count on, but it's more of when you're taken advantage of, but the idea of being dependable you want to be dependable and especially to those people who, who you care about and who, you know, care about you. And, you know, especially nowadays, like, um, I don't know if when society's telling you one thing or a couple of different things, but you know, maybe you just don't feel that's your path or that's, it's not right for you. You know, it, it's, it's really tough to get lost in the flow. I think if, if you're just caught up in that current and you don't have a couple of other people alongside you who, you know, share that same mentality, who are willing to kind of hold you up, hold you accountable, help you along, you know, help you, help you shoulder those responsibilities that you take on. And I think it's just, it's awesome. I think if you can have people who you're, who you can hold accountable and who, who can hold you accountable as well. um, It's awesome. I mean, it's a lot like what you've been doing with the, with the, the chat group there, like I, I haven't been able to be as active because again, it's just, just work right now. That's all I'm doing, but it's awesome. It, it's good to have people that you can turn to that you can lean on and that you can give advice and receive advice from when they're, they kind of share a similar mindset. Yeah. And it's crazy that people that you kind of connect with because um, yeah, there's, there's people in that group that I've met throughout my life in, uh, in different areas and just kind of, uh, that was the, that, that was kind of the catalyst of like kind of reconnecting with a lot of people. And I was like, man, that's, it's, it's pretty sick to kind of build that community of, of that. Um, and even when you do waver, like when you fall into things like a victimhood mentality, or you fall into things like depression, or you fall into things like, uh, you know, any of that, like kind of privileged mindset to have people that are like brave enough to be honest enough to like call you out on it and be like, okay, listen, like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, you need to get your head back on straight because I've had so many people surrounding me in my life early on where I had like, kind of like an empathy overload, you know, and it's, it's, it's cool to have, like, that's kind of my favorite part of, you know, uh, having a community like that. Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. And it kind of, it stops that spiral before you get all the way to the ground, right? Before you nosedive, you have people who can help catch you along the way and um, correct your course. And, you know, it, it obviously, it, it comes with a lot of trust and, you know, you, you got to have, you've got to have the mindset and the belief that they do really have your best intentions at heart. Uh, and that's, Oh, I mean, that's obviously that's really important because you don't want to be taking advice from somebody who's, you know, harboring envy or resentment, or, you know, they don't really want you to see, to go that much farther ahead. 
And it, that's easy to fall into too, right? It's really easy if somebody's asking you a question and you may think like, oh, what? Like this person's five steps ahead of me. Like, you know, maybe I could just sabotage this a little bit and, you know, slow them down on their own race because then I'm going to feel closer. And it's, you know, th that's a real easy mindset to fall into. So it's important to have, again, a group that you can trust that, you know, they'll hold you accountable. You can hold them accountable, but it's, yeah, I mean, I think even Mike and I talked about this a little bit, but it's just how easy it is for that resentment and envy to fester now. And it, it just comes out in so many gross ways, but um, yeah. So as long as you, as long as you trust the people and, you know, they don't have any, you know, uh, secret motivations or anything, or they aren't prone to jealousy or resentment, I think it's, uh, I think it's huge. It's, it's completely necessary. You, you can't go through, you know, life and everything else alone. You need a, you need support networks as much as you like to be self-sufficient. And I, trust me, I do too. Like I, I have a really hard time leaning on other people. You know, I've got, I've got my wife, I've got my family, a few friends that I'll lean on, but I have a really hard time opening up because, you know, I, I <laughs> it's tough, right? It's a struggle. It's one of my struggles, but yeah, I, I think it's really important to have that that little tight knit tribe and people that you can bounce ideas off, bounce problems off, and you trust that their that their advice is going to be in your best interest. Yeah, a hundred percent. Every time you talk, there's like three things that you say where I'm like, okay, I want to talk more about this. And uh... oh, you got to do what I do, man. I have a, I have an open notebook with me through every conversation, and so whenever you're writing, if you could, if my camera was working right now, which it's not, but if my camera was working, like you'll see me looking down and writing as you're talking, because <laughs> otherwise I'll forget them. Like I, I've got to go back. Oh no, I remember them, dude. I just won't want to. I don't want to just uh, go too far off tangent. I, I uh, oh, take it off. I have I have a pad and a pen in front of me. I just I I'm like. It's just when, when you talk about envy, when you talk about things like that, it's like that, it just, I just get flashbacks of like how I used to think versus how I've been like literally forcing myself to think now. Cause I know like so many times in my past and um, even sometimes these thoughts still creep into my head. But like when I see like someone that, you know, they're like killing it, they get, they get like a new vehicle or a new home, like, or anything like that. Like my initial thought beforehand was like that, that envy of like, man, I wish I could have that. Like, why the fuck does he deserve that? Or why does he get that? And now I've just started to have more appreciation for what's around me. I'm like, Whoa, I can't believe one of my friends could do that. Like, that's so cool. Like that, you know, whether it's a vehicle or a home or something like that, like, it's like, man, that's possible. That's so sick. Like, now I've my my mind shift my mindset has just shifted that way, and um, I guess that kind of segues into the other thing you were saying is like kind of being a provider. Like it motivates me more to to want to be like a provider for the people around me, so I can show them like, hey, this is possible. Because uh, I when you talk about like kind of providing for your family or leading the way or um, you know being a mentor or a a father or anything like that like it's like that's purpose slapping in the face man like that kind of like that is uh and that's where I, I kept was gonna interrupt you a couple of times but it's like when you're talking about you know wanting to be prov uh, the provider for your family and how you take ownership and you say you know like I want to be dependable like I don't want to be dependent on all the time but I want to be dependable like I want to be the guy 
that when my kids are in this struggle or my friends are in this struggle that they can come to me. Like, I want to be that. And that is a purpose. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you're the rock solid person that they can come to like, and, uh, it takes strength, but that's, that's also what kind of like pushes you towards it. That feeling of like, this is my purpose now. Like I have something to do. Yeah. I, it's funny that you mentioned that because, well, first off, I mean, um, the idea, like becoming a father changed my mentality. And because of, because of my, uh, situation, right? Like our, our oldest son is technically my stepson, although I'm the only daddy's ever known. But so I, I personally, I can't really separate becoming a husband and becoming a father because it happened at the same time. Essentially. In fact, I, I probably became a father before I became a husband, just because we were dating and got to know each other first. Um, but yeah, those two things fundamentally changed my mindset. Like it, it, um, it made me realize like, you know, in the, in the most obvious way, but the most serious way possible that I was no longer only responsible for myself, you know, like I've talked about this before, but when I was younger, I mean, it was so easy to call in sick on a Friday, you know, take a long weekend. It's like, ah, you know, I just don't really want to do it. I've got enough money in the bank. I can go to the bar tonight. I can go, you know, I can have fun. I'm not going to go hungry. It's, it's not a big deal, but you know, having a wife and kids who are now also depending on you. And, you know, when I say depending or like words like responsibilities, like it's not meant to be um, this terrifying thing that you might be facing, right? Like it's, it's the most incredible thing I've ever experienced. You know, it's even like, I've heard people talk about how, you know, they could never imagine being married because it'll just lock them in with somebody and then they feel trapped. Like I have the exact opposite reaction to it. And uh, me and my wife were talking about this probably, probably a month ago, two months ago, I would have been a few or a couple months ago because it was right around when we were moving. But this idea that, you know, getting married or getting, um, you know, really fortifying that bond with somebody to me, it, (laughs) I felt freer. Like, I don't know how to, how to fully explain this, but it was because, you know, as a young guy, especially like, let's face it, like you do a lot of thinking with, uh, the small head. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. but if you can wipe that out, if now all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm in a solid relationship, it, it allows you to focus on everything else because you're never worrying about that anymore. You know, like I, I, that's a really crude way of putting it, but it's like when you have something foundational to build on, all of a sudden now you're focusing on everything else because you're not worried about going to meet somebody. You're not worried about finding the next girlfriend or the next boyfriend or whatever the case may be. It's like, no, I'm now I can set out in life. Like I'm no longer trying to set up this home base. I'm now advancing farther through life, right? Like I'm on to the next objective. And it's a really weird feeling. And it almost seems counterintuitive to think that all of a sudden, you know, making this, you know, what, what hopefully will be, and will be in my case, a lifelong commitment. It's like, well, now I'm free and it doesn't seem to make any sense, but that is how I felt. And that's how my wife felt too. It's like, all of a sudden, you know, we've got this box checked, like let's move on to the next task now and the next task and the next task. It's like, to me anyway, it felt freeing. Uh, Again, I know I've repeated that about four times now, but it's, it's funny because everybody nowadays seems to think that you know, you're, you're cutting yourself off from every other option in the world by doing that. And you're not, you're, you're all of a sudden 
opening yourself up to everything else that you can focus on because you're not spending any time focusing on, um, oh, I've got to find somebody or ah, this person's not that great or like, you know, whatever. It's just, it's freeing to me. And, but again, when that came along, also all of a sudden I got the responsibility to care for them, to provide for them, to support them. And now, like I, I think I was talking about with Mike, but the idea of work doesn't ever get me down. It's like, like you had mentioned about finding a deeper purpose. It's not, I'm not going to, to work just to get money so that I can then go buy an Xbox or buy a new TV. Like there's no meaning in that. There's no purpose. It's like you just consume, 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 right? I'm like just in work in particular, it's like, I'm going to work to give my life a better, or my wife and my kids a better family. Like I'm going to work to provide for them. I'm going to work to set up their entire life. Right. And so that like, and when you have a purpose like that, you don't get dragged down by little things. You don't get dragged down because it rained at work. You don't get dragged down because your feet are wet or you're no, you're, you bumped your shoulder at work. It's like, I don't care. Like this is all, this is all part of my plan. This is part of the foundation that I'm laying for my kids, for their future, for my wife, for our grandkids. Like your purpose just gets so much bigger. But I think in order to really focus on that, like you have to have something that gives you purpose. And for me, it's my wife and kids. Like I, that's locked and loaded. Like that's ready to now let's go. Let's go after the next thing. Let's go advance through the next steps of life. Yeah, I love that you say that because, um, well, just thinking about like kind of my past relationships and then thinking about the one I'm currently in, which is obviously the best relationship I've been in. But it, and, and I don't just say that because she's going to listen to this, but I mean that because like, <laughs> right. hi, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to say her name, but hi. I yeah. Know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, dude, it's, it's like, um, you know, the, and this goes across like pretty much every spectrum you could think of in, in life. It's not just relationships, but it's like anything, like nothing for me at least has ever really been enjoyable without first like committing to it. You know, like I never enjoyed construction when I worked in it the first time I ended up quitting to go work in the gym that I worked out at, but it wasn't until like I, I started getting this job and I committed like, all right, I'm going to learn this. Like, it doesn't matter how frustrated I get, how stupid I feel, how, how annoyed or, you know, how, how much like I end up being a liability or whatever it was. Like I kind of dead set. I was like, I'm going to commit to this thing. And, uh, you know, across everything, like sports that I played relationships, like it wasn't until I, I decided like, okay, I'm fully committing to this, like literally going in with a hundred percent effort. That was the only time that I've ever been able to actually enjoy things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're committed to it. Right. And again, when you've, when you've built it up to something more than it is, you know, when it actually has a meaning and I mean, you're right. It doesn't just have to be in relationships, but it's, it's making that commitment to something. And then you're almost, um, you know, then it becomes a self, a sense of, or an issue of self pride almost at that point. Right. Because exactly like I, you know, I, you know, you take pride in your work, you take pride in, you know, whatever the, the character of your being like who you who you are and when you can link something to that when you really start to i don't know when it becomes something that you just you can't fail at because you like it's you really find purpose in it i don't know i just think that a lot of people it's even this idea well i don't know like i've been i've been reading a bunch of this comment lately where it's like um 
you know, minimum, minimum work for minimum wage or, you know, minimum work for whatever, whatever wage it is. Like if you just don't feel like you're getting paid enough. And that's again, like you're not, you're obviously not finding any, any sense of purpose in your work, if that's all that you're focusing on, but you're also, you're never going to get ahead. Like, I don't understand that mentality because there are people out there in the workforce like you or like I, who are able to find meaning outside of their work. Like, again, I, I wire stuff up for a living. Like I'm an electrician (laughs) is, do I find some deep philosophical meaning in making electrons flow? No, I don't like, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe some people do. And if they do good on you, I can't do it. But (laughs) my meaning is because it provides for my family. Like you can find a deeper meaning or, you know, when I go to do a job, it's not just to make it work. It's to make it work. It's to do it well. It's to make it look good. Like there's a sense of pride in my work. Even if my work isn't, you know, my life's goal, I'm not, I'm not like, okay. So this is one thing too. Sorry. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but when I'm for it, man, I love it. When I'm, like a lot of people think like, oh, I'm just working to make this person rich. It's like, no, you're not. It's like, and are you going to work for that company? I personally, I have never gone to work for a company ever. I go to work for myself. Okay. I'm there for myself. I personally don't care if the company makes money off me or not, but why they need to make money off me is so that I can keep working. So I want to work for my own self-pride, to pay for my own stuff, to pay for my family. And in order to keep that cycle going, I also have to be successful as an employee, right? So it, it's all connected together. Like, I don't understand why people can't make that connection. It's like, oh, like, well, I want to make more money. So I'm just going to sit here because I'm not getting paid enough. It's like, I'm sorry. How does that make sense? Why are they going to keep you? Like, you have to make the job about yourself, Okay. And then when it is, you're going to realize like, okay, I'm going to take self-pride in this. I'm going to, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this all for me. And then if you are doing that, you're going to benefit the company because all of a sudden you're going to become more profitable because you're again, taking pride in your work. You're wanting to see the job done for yourself. And then you're going to keep getting handed more money as it goes along. Like there's a, a principle, I forget what it's called, but you know, people who put in that extra 10% at work end up making something like, I think it's something like 70% more over the year. Why? Yeah. Why? Because, well, yeah, you're putting in that tiny bit of extra time, but it's exponential, the growth that comes from it, because then they're going to see that you're eager. They're going to see that you're driven. They're going to, you're going to be the first one up for raises or the first one up for promotions. And if you're not doing that, you know, you're just, you become, you become disposable. All right. Like, yeah, that's hard to hear, but it's, it's true. You've got to find a way to drive yourself to work for your own reasons. If you're, if, if you say, Oh no, like I'm, I'm here just to make the company money. Okay. You're not going to last very long because that's not a real meaning. You're just going to burn out and you're going to quit. Like there's what meaning are you drawing from that? Like that, I, I would never do that. (laughs) I'm not going to work to make my boss rich you know, I'm going to work to pay for the things that I want to do. I'm doing it for me. And I, I just think that people get that, that, um, that thought process backwards so often, and it leads to a miserable life, um, a horrible outlook on the prospect of working and, you know, providing for yourself. And I just think a lot of people are stuck in that mindset today too. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And even just the thought of, um, <clears throat> sorry, even just the thought of like going to work just for a paycheck that that frustrates me. Like even just kind of, because I know for myself, like uh, every job that I've had, like I've had jobs at like kind of massive corporations, you know, where the the people at the top don't give a shit about the people at the bottom or the entry level, or. Um, and and I've kind of been in those positions before, but I, I feel like every job that I've had, and maybe this is again, like kind of something that like a complex that I've got going on, but I've always kind of thought like, I need to add to myself. So like any job that I've had, I'm like, I need to learn something from the people around me. Like I, I know like with my current job, like doing home renovations, I, I always keep reminding myself on those days where I'm like getting frustrated. I can't get something right. And like, there's that tempting urge to just like, come, come to my foreman and be like, Hey, can you help me out with this? Or can you do this? And it's like, I, I always remind myself, it's like, you know, you're probably going to have to do this on your house one day. So you better yeah. learn how to do it really well. Like yeah. there's like a, 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 a quality, like it's a, like a self quality control. Like, it's like, would I want this in my home? You know? And I'm sure you kind of feel the same way, like, especially probably more when you did residential work, but it's like, I'm sure you're never going to hire an electrician for your home. So when shit goes wrong, it's like, I want to know how to do this bulletproof and, and have it look mint, you know? And that's, that's what I keep reminding myself when I'm at work, when I'm getting frustrated or pissed off or I'm like, man, I don't get paid enough for this shit. Like whenever I have those victim thoughts, I'm mm -hmm. like, man, I'm going to have to do this on my home one day. So, Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. So like it can be self-serving in that sense. But the other way that I look at it too is, you know, if you're like, oh, I don't get paid enough for this shit. It's like, no, if you learn how to do this, you're now increasing your bargaining position, right? So you're going to be able to demand more in the way of money. And again, like we're seeing this right now where I live, where the wages for electricians, again, like uh, I still, I still am subscribed to all the like job posting sites because when we were moving out here, I was looking for work and the rates have gone up <laughs> since I got hired over 25% on the hiring rates. Right. And that's, again, wow. that's because right now the demand for workers is so much greater than the supply. And again, this is the other thing that, you know, uh, we don't have to get back into financial things, but, um, or economic we can jump idea. into, we can jump into Canadian politics next. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's even bigger than that. Just that, but just this idea of supply and demand and, you know, when, when demand is high and supply is low, like you're going to be able to, to ask more, right. That applies to literally everything that's economics 101. And so to anybody who says that, you know, the idea of, of capitalism or of uh, a free market capitalism is, simply and only to destroy the bargaining power of, you know, the working person, uh, they're wrong and they don't understand the idea behind it. Right. So, and again, right now you can see it in real time in Alberta here, uh, as oil is starting to go for a, a climb and people are trying to actually explore again. Cause that's, again, we don't have to get into the, the, the deep discussion on this, but that's part of the reason why gas is so expensive is because you know, Canada and the US have chopped off our capabilities for oil exploration, oil refining, and um, overall oil production, they, they chopped it off at the knees, because again, everything's going green. Well, now, again, we're seeing the world still runs on oil. <laughs> so uh, when there's a greater demand than there is supply, um, prices go higher. 
so anyway that that's part of it's more involved than that but you guys can look it up if you want to but uh but yeah again in it working for the worker right now the demand for workers is much higher than the supply of workers so it's allowing workers to demand higher and higher wages that's how things work and it's it's um Again, it, it's pretty exciting being where I'm from, and that's part of why we moved to Alberta, because all the signs were pointing to, all right, something's going to break here and something's going to need to pull us out. What's Canada's, one of Canada's biggest industries? Oh, it's oil. Oh, I have experience in that. Right on. I have, I'm coming from a position of bargaining strength. So let's move to Alberta, where people have a much more open mindset. They're a lot more self-sufficient and as a bonus, you know, there's going to be a demand for the skill that I possess. And, you know, that idea also isn't new is the idea of chasing opportunity, right? It's why people came to North America. It's why people came to Canada, to the U S they were chasing new opportunities. They were chasing the dream. Right. And so even people who say, well, Oh, well, I don't want to have to move in order to set myself into a better position. Well, sorry, buddy. Like that's, that's the way things have gone forever. You chase opportunity. Uh, you know, that's why that term, the land of the opportunity or land of opportunity exists because it's not where you are. It's not the home of opportunity. It's not, I'm at home in opportunity. No, there's the land of opportunity is over there. So go chase it. And it's, you know, I, I don't know. It's uh, again, but I think that mindset is going to be coming back pretty quick because people are going to start to realize it's like, okay, I could sit here. Um, you know, and things aren't going very well, or I could go chase an opportunity that'll move me ahead. And, you know, yeah, it's a bit of change. It's a bit of upheaval, but in the end, things are going to be better. And I think, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see that pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's funny that you bring that up. Cause I was, uh, if you think about kind of well, it's actually the, the most obvious thing is like, how did we get here in North America? Like people moved here, you know, it yeah. was, I like whether I think about my grandparents or I think about like, like, uh, you know, ancestors further and further back in our lineage, like it's like, uh, yeah, they got fed up because shit was terrible in Europe. So they came here. That's literally, <laughs> you know, my ancestors did it a long time ago. And then, um, you know, obviously my grandparents did it like a generation or two ago for us. Like, and it's, it's like they came from Europe and, they didn't have any family. They didn't have any friends. The same as like kind of how you were explaining. Like they were like, oh, it's terrible here. We should leave. We should leave and we should make something better for ourselves. And I mean, a lot of us are, you know, second or third generation. Some of us are even first generation here, right? Like, and that's why you still see people immigrating to Canada, to countries like Canada and the US because they're searching better opportunity, you know? And that's why, that's why a lot of the times, like you'll work with, you'll work with a first generation or somebody who's just freshly landed, um, an immigrant to Canada, their work ethic is through the roof and they are hungry because they realize that, whoa, here I have opportunities to move up. Like where I came from, we had nothing there. There was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to go, but flat or down. It's like, and now all of a sudden I'm in somewhere where if I, if I work hard, you're, you're telling me that I can get rewarded for it. Like it's, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's why, it's why Canada and the U S have such high immigration while Canada is much higher per capita than, than uh, the U S but still it's why it's why we have that level of immigration. People want to come here. It gives them opportunity. And that's, you know, I mean, I remember reading some study, it wasn't too long ago, but, but talking about how, why first generation immigrants seem to 
they outpace um, like Canadians, native Canadians who are here, like born in Canada working, right? Like it's just that an immigrant who comes in at the same age, uh, you know, into the same, whatever, same workforce, they out earn like natural born Canadians. And it's because of that hunger. It's because of that drive. It's because they realize where they came from and what type of opportunities are here. And I think, uh, I think we have a lot to learn from that, from that mentality that you can get yourself ahead. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I, I love that. And that's, uh, yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely resonates as well. Like even just looking at my family, you know, the, the work that my grandfather did when he first moved here, like he was working in warehouses and, uh, he was like, he'll be, he was appreciative of any job, you know, like, and even when he retired, he went and worked in a bakery. Cause he's like, I just, I have to stay working. Like I have to, you know, keep going. What if something happens? But, you know, it was just like kind of that mentality of, and, and, you know, he's someone that moved from a, a place that was like occupied for a while by like Nazis way back in the day. Like, so he's like, oh, we can have jobs and we just get to get paid and like, we don't get treated like garbage or spoken down to like coming to Canada. He's like, I'll work any job, you know, any yeah. job here is worth it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And it, I don't know. And again, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that the cost of everything is equivalent and you can look into reasons for that. You know, um, look into the Bank of Canada's financial policy or the Liberals' financial policy. If you want to know why uh, house prices have gone up 100% in the last seven years since Trudeau took office. But, you know, that's another discussion for another day. And, uh, but yeah, man, like, it's just, I don't know, it's crazy. And I mean, that's, again, that's why when we moved, we were researching what are some of the most affordable places in Canada. Because, again, I don't want to be chasing something that chasing a goalpost that continues to get farther and farther away. Right. And that's, that's how we started to feel where we were living. And now we made the move for our family's sake. And it's just, I don't know, it's good. But I think, I think, again, you're going to see more of that too, because people are going to really have to start chasing opportunity and, you know, voting with their feet. Uh, That doesn't mean just a political vote, but I just mean, voting in the sense of what type of life do you want to have? And does that mean moving? It very well may, because maybe the cost of living where you are isn't sustainable. Um, and again, that's obviously because like a place like BC or Vancouver, like it's desirable. The amount of people who want to move there, again, it's a supply and demand issue. Like the the supply of people who want to move there is huge. And you've only got a certain amount of real estate. You've only got a certain area that that's designated, you know, that highly, um, highly desirable. And that's going to cause things like this. And, you know, I would rather just not do that. <laughs> I'd rather not run in that rat race and just be chasing a, a further disappearing goal. So that's, but I think a lot of other people are going to come to that realization as well. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts, man. Do you, uh, I was going to say, I, I like that you've been talking a lot again about politics and economics on your show, man. Have you, uh, what, like, um, I guess what kind of topics other than what you've been talking about recently, like ha- have your attention right now? Like, I know we talked last time we were going to chat about what was then bill C10 now bill C11. Um, I mean, there's been stupid things going through in terms of uh quote unquote gun control. We've got some new, uh, updates at the airport this week like there's a lot of actually huge hot topics right now but i know it's um we're probably like an hour in but 
I was just wondering, like, what, have any of those kind of caught your attention or is there any other like little thing that maybe slipped uh, a lot of people's attention? Because I know you were talking about that truck tax on your show as well. But I feel like there in the last like week or two, there's been a lot of weird updates that people aren't really uh, like too aware of. Have, have there been any of those like that kind of caught your attention this week? Um, nothing really. I think a lot of, a lot of what I've been focusing on. And again, like I'm, well, you're 14 days into a work stint. So I guess there's that. Yeah, that's true. A lot of my focus does go on work right now, but, um, no, I think I've been getting obsessed with, and again, I have a really obsessive personality. So it's a good thing and a bad thing. Cause I get very narrow-minded, which isn't always great, but, um, right now it's just focusing on kind of the misconceptions of why, cost of living is so high where the expenses are coming from. Um, yeah, that truck tax is again, like I think I mentioned it in my, my podcast, but it, it feels like did it already go through Sorry. I, I didn't like a hundred percent understand that. Did it already I go believe, through? Is this proposed? I believe that one did. I'll have to check it up again, but that was, uh, I remember yeah, voting like for that. Just, <sighs> Yeah, no, nobody did. It's another it's another attack on kind of like the working class, right? Like um, who primarily drives one-ton pickups? Like one-ton pickups, just so you know, are very expensive. They're expensive to maintain. They're expensive to buy. They're expensive to run. Um, they're expensive because they're essentially an investment, right? And, you know, Mike Rowe actually does a very good job of talking about this. Um, you know, he's talking about how people will either invest $100,000 into university or you'll have tradespeople who will invest $100,000 into a truck, getting it out, outfitted, getting it rigged up and ready to go. Like that is their vehicle to the future. That's how they make money. That's their investment. Um, even though obviously it's not a traditional investment because it depreciates the second you drive it off the lot. But anyway, the idea is that that's your vehicle to make money. And so especially... Like I think I even said in the podcast episode, I think they have a $1,000 um, tax on the sales of light duty pickups, which, you know, maybe I could kind of, I, I wouldn't get behind. I'm not, I'm not the type of person who gets behind new taxes ever, but um, uh, like I could understand the thought process of that because you don't want, you know, if, if you're very worried about the whole green movement, then that makes sense to me. Like I could understand why you would think that like, you don't want somebody who's just driving around a family to be driving around in a gas guzzling pickup. But the idea of, you know, taxing one tons uh, at $4,000 on the initial purchase. Um, first of all, you're making everything more expensive again. Good job. I thought you're supposed to be lowering the cost of living for Canadians, but it's again, it's punishing people who work for a living. It's punishing blue collar workers. It's punishing the people who use those trucks to move supplies, to move material. Most trucks that you see on the road, the bigger ones, um, they're, they're used for work. They're used for transporting material, for towing trailers, and for getting getting jobs done, for, for moving the economy forward. And so to tax people, again, another tax on, you know, what they're doing for a living for, you know, moving the economy forward is just, it's gross to me. And it's targeting, it's targeting the working class blue collar people again. So you know, just like how, yeah, anyway, I think I talked about in that episode, but then what else did you mention? Um, I was just, there was a lot of things that kind of were, were 
in my eye that we, you know, we talked about Bill C. We were going to talk about Bill C. Ten months ago, but now it would be like Bill C. Eleven is kind of the uh, the newer version of that. Uh, some silly gun control stuff that went through. Oh was, yeah, yeah. Some updates at the airport for people that. Uh, <laughs> that was it. Aren't the, fully the, medicated. Yeah, yeah. the The airport one is funny because. Yes, there was a lot of pressure, but you know what finally pushed that one over the edge was a sports podcast. No kidding. Yes. I have the, bi- I- the biggest hockey podcast on the planet, Spitting Chicklets. So ex-NHLer Ryan Whitney went viral from posting inside Pearson Airport saying that this was, I think he called it, quote, hell on earth, <laughs> which is wow. pretty great. But then all of a sudden, and even even in the house of commons. So like his, he's known as like wit, like Ryan Whitney. So just yeah, yeah. wit. And uh, even in the house of commons, one of the MPs was quoted as saying, are we going to listen to wit? So like, as far as the power of podcasting goes, uh, there's, there's a sign of it because uh, a sports podcaster, an ex NHLer, significantly influenced Canadian politics, which and make no mistake, this is a political decision, not one based on, any type of science um but yeah that that changed that ruling which is hilarious uh and then as far as gun control yet like everybody everybody uh agrees that what happened in uvalde in texas was horrific everybody agrees with that but what is insane to me is that um you know the canadian government uses uh something that happens in a different country with a completely different culture a different set of laws and uses that to impose new laws on canadians um it doesn't make any sense if something happened in canada okay you know um every action has a reaction there's a consequence to everything but to use something like this it's it's not it's not based on anything other than you know it's a constant attempt to to disarm the the population, right? That, that's been their agenda from day one when they were elected. So it's not really a surprise. It's um, it's funny because he's definitely the number one uh, handgun salesman in Canada ever because the second that that happened, I mean, like I follow a lot of different firearms pages, right? And within, I'd say 48 to 72 hours, every single handgun in Canada had been bought. Yeah. Every single one. And it's... um. Yeah, but again, it's it's not based on anything that's related to Canada or to our firearms laws, which are incredibly strict, incredibly, you know, functional. Uh, in some cases, they're a little bit over over controlling, but that's just my personal opinion. That's whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it's using something uh, an international event to justify what's going on in Canada, and it's it's crazy that you know it, it's it's a frustrating when. And I understand it because this is obviously a really emotional topic when something like that happens. Again, everybody is up in arms about that. It doesn't matter if you're a firearm owner or you're not. You think it's a disgusting act that should never happen. Um, But when you get heavy emotional influence into something like a law that really needs to be a well thought out and articulated decision, not something based on emotion, um, you know, that's when, that's when governments can take advantage. Right. And that's, that's exactly what Trudy's done. And it's, it's tough to do, but you've really got to separate emotion from, you know, fact and, uh, and data when you're doing something like that, because they can have a lot longer lasting ramifications than, you know, how long it's in the news story or how long you're sad about it. 
uh, you you've got to really think about it rationally. Yeah. And it just, even it, the whole thing just kind of, it, it's like, so it's, it's mind blowing really, because you're right. Like it is, it's, it's a strenuous pro like a uh, process to even get a gun license in Canada in general. Like I did my course back in February and uh, now we're in the middle of June. Now I still haven't even received anything from them except I got a letter back saying that they had received my application, but not my like results from actually passing the the courses and everything, um, which is super bizarre. But I um, got that all figured out and I sent them back a, a letter, but it's been like, it's been months and months and we're doing background checks and safety courses. But I, I, I definitely appreciate all those things, man. Like, I think that that's, I, in my personal opinion, I think that those are things that you should go through. Like, background checks, you know, criminal record checks, you should go through a safety course because even just going through the course, I'm like, okay, I feel more confident now that I've actually had someone like a professional teach me how to safely handle this thing. Like I feel better about this now. And well, so and, I and you feel that. safer around a firearm, right? Because you're like, 100%. okay, I can unload this thing. I can verify it safe. I can verify it dead. Like it, it it's safety, right? It's not just you know, it's not because you're some gun nut. It's like, no, no, no. Like I, I feel a lot safer now. I'm a lot more capable around it, but you're right. Like I, yeah, it, it's such a tough discussion. Cause like, <laughs> yeah. Talking about the American stuff. Like I know no American wants to hear a Canadian's opinion on the second amendment <laughs> and yeah. I respect that, <laughs> but, but I agree as a Canadian, I like the fact that there are some checks and balances to it because um, you know, it is, it could be in the wrong hands, a dangerous weapon, but in, you know, law abiding Canadian citizens, it's a tool. It's, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's something that's never going to hurt, hurt anybody. Right. My, my firearms and my safe are not going to walk out by themselves or be taken by me to harm somebody. They, they're inanimate objects, right? It's like a, yeah, they're, they're an inanimate object. There's, there's nothing to it. There's no assault action to any of my my rifles yeah yeah 100 percent. well and even just like the idea of like kind of creating laws around restricting like it's there's a lot of things that make sense so that's what i was going to say and then there's a lot of things that don't make sense to me like there's so many things where it's like are we going to try and make like the first law ever that criminals are going to abide by like is it's just the most <laughs> perfect piece of legislation ever that it it's like, oh, we finally made the one that criminals will start following. Like, there's not a chance. So, like, who are you really restricting? Like, it does really make sense. And nope, um, that's it. Well, and the other thing I was thinking is like, we already have laws that punish people that fuck around with these things. You know, like, well, <laughs> and and our laws are pretty are pretty loose. Like, they they should be focusing on criminal criminals, not on law abiding gun owners. Because you're right, that's that's the only person who it affects with the restrictions. But they but as far as the penalties and the prison time for actual gun offenses, uh, they're very minimal. And, you know, that's kind of the really pernicious part of all of this is that it's um, they're not targeting criminals. They're targeting lawful firearm owners who are uh, statistically of less risk to the general public than the general public is. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, and that's like one of the things that I was learning about when I even did the course it's like, uh, I, I, it was like, it was actually like, uh, 
kind of like it changed my opinion on a lot of different things, even though I was pretty like uh, supportive of kind of gun rights, but just going through the course and learning a lot more about how, you know, every single person that carries a, uh, a PAL, like the possession acquisition license here in Canada, it's like uh, you're run through a criminal record, like check every single morning, you know, little yep. things like that. It's like uh, 365 man, days a year. They, they keep tabs on you to make sure you aren't, aren't uh, committing crimes. Yeah. And, and it's like, man, what? Like just to be able to claim, hey, I'm on a database that they check every single day. Like that's like the number one safety flag. You're like, okay, that's a green light for this guy. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And that's why you're statistically like violent crimes committed by firearms owners in Canada are, are much less than the general public. And that's why, because, you know, if, if this is something, I mean, again, in Canada, it's not a right. So if this is a privilege that you want to maintain, um, means you got to live by certain rules right and so again like yeah there's a lot of arbitrary laws in canada um but the part that again grosses me out the most is politicizing an international event um making it canada's issue as if us canadian firearms and pal owners have committed this crime when we haven't you know um the fact that a deranged person with a firearm commits an offense doesn't mean that every person who owns a firearm is a deranged criminal. And that's how Canadian firearm owners are treated. Every time there's anything internationally, um, it comes back down on Canadian firearm firearms owners heads. Yeah. And it, it, when you raise that point, like, it's like, why are we even, I mean, yeah, why are we shaping our legislation for something that happens that, or that might be prevalent? Or, I mean, that's arguable. There, there's different uh, perspectives on that. But it's like, why are we arguing about something that's uh, in the media in another country? Like, why are we shape? I mean, maybe we can argue about it or debate it. But like, why are we shaping our legislation around that? Yeah, yeah. And something that, that doesn't doesn't happen in Canada. So, yeah, it's interesting. And then you know what, the last thing that, again, that you're talking about, like, what have I been watching? And again, it's, it's all been Canadian financials and this, this rapid rise in inflation, the rapid rise in home prices, and, you know, all the hot button topics that everybody in Canada is really talking about. And, you know, I like I, I don't generally do this. But if there's a podcast that I think that every single Canadian has to listen to, it's called the Looney Hour. One of the hosts is, is a real estate agent from Vancouver. But um, yeah, the Looney Hour podcast, if you want to kind of understand what's been going on, they do such a good job of breaking it down and really, you know, showing how these, you know, because everybody, I'm sure you're aware too, everybody's seeing these little news blurbs about, oh, the Bank of Canada is raising interest rates. And the average person is like, well, what does that mean for me? And, and again, they just do such a good job of, of explaining it, like how it's cooling the, the uh, housing market. But while air quote cooling the housing market, it's, it's not really going to get anybody else in other than, you know, people who have a lot of money lying around because as the prices drop, but the interest rates go up, your mortgage payments are going up. So you're still not qualifying for these houses. It's just people who have the cash laying around who are now going to be able to pick them up. Like there's, um, yeah, Canada can't afford to really tank its housing market. So that's, that's a bit of a myth, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, 
I think it should be required listening by every Canadian at this stage, just with what we're going through financially. But um, yeah, definitely give it a listen. I'm going to uh, tomorrow morning on my commute. I, um, yeah, I was listening to another podcast actually yesterday and they were talking about how it just literally yesterday they did an increase in the States. And, and I know that's contradictory to what I just said, but I think it's safe to say that, um, you know, firearm restrictions and such are definitely kind of, uh, separated between the two countries, but our economics are definitely intertwined and, um, they just did a increase a hike on their interest rates down South yesterday. And it's like, man, this is, uh, not going to be looking good for a lot of people that were just kind of like floating by, you know? Oh yeah, no. And, and the bank of Canada does follow what the fed does. Um, they kind of take a lot of their guidance from the fed again, because of our economies being linked, but yeah, with the fed going up 75 basis points, which is just, you're aware, like a normal basis, 75% or a point or a point seven five. Yeah. 0.75. But, but in, a normal rate hike would be 0.25. So for them to do three rate hikes in one is incredibly aggressive. Uh, so again, Canada's probably going to do the exact same thing. Um, and it's just, you know, it's again, like I'm not an economist. I could very roughly explain it, but it's, it's not going to do it justice and I'll probably make a few mistakes, but if, uh, yeah, if you listen to that podcast, the Looney hour, they, they do an incredible job of dumbing it down so that, you know, the average person can really understand what is going on. Um, you know, they talk about the rise in gas prices. They talk about, um, about why we're seeing such higher cost of living when it comes to rent, when it comes to mortgages, when it comes to uh, lending, you know, the cost associated with lending now. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's the biggest topic in Canada. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest topics in the U.S. too. And uh, I just think, I think right now, if you look around and this is, sorry, this will be probably my last tangent. I'm starting to get tired, but, um, all good. All good. Yeah. But if you look around and you're looking at everything going up, you're looking at the cost of living going through the roof, you're looking at all of this stuff. And if you, you may ask yourself why, but if you stop at just asking why, rather than actually researching these things and actually trying to get to the bottom of this, then I have a really hard time feeling sorry for you when, when this stuff all starts to blow up because we live in an age where we have more access to more information than anybody ever before. But rather than making everybody smarter, it just seems to accentuate whatever your IQ is. So if you're a moron, you become a fucking moron. Now, if you're smart, you become a genius. Like, I don't think that it actually is just making people smarter. It's just accentuating whatever your IQ was before, but if you're not taking the time to research this, to try to prepare yourself to do whatever you can to hedge against this stuff. Like I, I just, it's tough to, it's tough to even like have reasoned discussions about it anymore or, you know, or, or try to try to explain it sometimes because sometimes people just don't want, want to hear it. They don't want to hear that a lot of these government policies and government air quote interventions have actually been making things a lot worse. And instead, they'll just keep blindly following along with, well, no, we need more government regulation. We need more CERB. We need more free money. Um, you know, you're ultimately shooting yourself in the foot. And it's, uh, yeah, like, again, start at the loony hour and then start, start researching this stuff. Because if you're looking around and wondering what's happening, but then not actually researching it, you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah, 100%. I love that. I love that you uh, 
I love that. Just the way that you said that, you're like, if you're a moron, now you're a fucking moron. <laughs> now, if you're a genius or now, if you're smart, you're, I, I thought you were going to say, I thought, I literally thought you were going to be like, now you're super smart. I, I was just going to lose it, but I, uh, I completely agree. It's, it's nuts, man. And I appreciate that because, uh, a lot of the, uh, the economic stuff that I listen to, um, is always like American stuff. So mm-hmm. it's, it's nice to kind of have that, that, uh, resource there to kind of hear it from the, from a Canadian perspective, because obviously it affects me in a Canadian perspective. So that's cool, man. I think, uh, after this little half hour tangent that we just did, uh, our CSIS agents and FBI agents listening in are probably a little bit irritated with us. Um, <laughs> but at least we probably made them laugh a little bit and probably entertain them They they might. Um, yeah. Who knows, man, if we keep having conversations, we might convert them. Um, that's pretty Maybe, much it. Yeah. I think that is pretty much it. Oh, the only other thing I was going to say, dude, there was a funny thing that happened in Canadian news this week and uh, it doesn't really impact me. So it just kind of makes me laugh, but they uh they announced this week. I don't know if you saw this, but it was like uh they're changing the warning labels on cigarettes. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. So um like in the states they don't have the same thing that we have like how there's like warning like the warning and the gruesome pictures of like people suffering with uh like lung cancer or mouth cancer or whatever it was or like bladder cancer and there's like terrible pictures on every single one. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I don't really argue with the idea of having those, I, like, cause they don't show those pictures. It's always behind a case in the store. So it's not like kids see those anyways, but what they're doing now is they're individually wrapping, uh, or not wrapping, but individually, there's going to be an inscribed warning on a cigarette, each individual cigarette. And I was reading this article and they're saying the purpose behind it was, sorry, I, it literally made me laugh so hard. The purpose behind it was to warn people that don't traditionally buy cigarettes that just bum them off people. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, are you kidding me? If you're hurting to bum a smoke, you're well aware of, of the cost associated with That's so funny. That's so funny. You have to look it up. I'll try. I'll put a link to an article or two in the description of this for on my end. But dude, it's so funny. I just reading that. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's like we are the stupidest people ever to, to walk this earth. <laughs> like, well, and it's like, who doesn't know these things? Yeah, yeah I knew exactly. these things when I was like six years old. And like my my dad actually doesn't smoke. My parents, n- neither of them smoke, but like at six years old, when I saw people smoking, I was like, yeah, I shouldn't do that. You yeah, know, it's probably not good for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, that's funny. I, yeah. Send me that, that article. Cause I'll read it. Individual warnings on cigarettes. I was just like, man, are you kidding me? It's like to warn the people that don't traditionally buy the packs. And it's like, <laughs> dude, they're still smoking. Like it's a, isn't it illegal anyway to, to sell individual cigarettes? Didn't some guy in the States get shot for doing that shot? Yeah, the cop shot him. He was just selling selling individual cigarettes, and then a cop shot him. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's yeah. there's no, probably no, no, more no, of that yeah. story, but it's probably as bad as it sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I do remember that now. But no, I, I it's just for like say like if you 
like their intention is like if you and I go out for at to a bar and I'm a smoker and I have my pack, it, unless the each individual cigarette is inscribed with a warning, if I offer you one and you and I hide the package from you and I pull the <laughs> cigarette out and give it to you, you might not know that it's bad for you. Yeah, trust me, bro. This is a healthy cigarette. Yeah. yeah oh no. yeah. That's, That's awesome, so man. Funny, man. All right. Well, I uh yeah, thanks for having me on or you being on mine. I don't know how I guess we'll we'll just release this on both, but uh yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I was gonna say we we uh didn't really do too much of an intro, so we'll just throw our own individual intros on and throw it on our shows. But uh yeah, I guess we didn't really do too much housekeeping for anybody that's uh watching or listening to this. I guess on my behalf, thank you guys for uh tuning in. Um obviously mark from hey mark podcast but i might actually go through a little bit of a rebranding pretty soon but um yeah zach thanks man thanks for this conversation dude i really appreciate it yeah man anytime uh again like i'm when i go back home i'll finally be working on getting the podcast studio slash office set up because we were having some home renovations done and my office was being used as a material storage but uh yeah now i'll be able to get in there get it set up and you know, hopefully even do some in-person stuff now. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I know Mike, who I just had on the podcast wants to do an in-person, so that'll be good. Uh, and then I'm going to have to kind of pick your brain on how to actually set up an in-person or a, an actual studio setup. Cause I've never had video and then I'll probably branch out to YouTube. So yeah, otherwise, man. yeah. Awesome. All right, Thanks. man. We'll have a good night. Hell yeah, dude. I was going to say, have a good night, man. I, it's probably get. I forgot you were an hour ahead, so it's getting probably pretty late for you. But um, yeah, it hell is. yeah, man. Thank you so much. And thank you for everyone listening. I hope you have a good day or good night or good week or whatever. Take care. Much See love. Ya.